Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. For those of you that don't know, my name is Todd Eblen. Um, I've been coming here for probably about a year, year and a half. But I used to go here when I was a kid, uh, when Eric Van Puskirk was the pastor here. Probably the late 70s through about 85. And um, what I wanted to share with today was how we are overcomers. Um, In Revelations 12, uh, 11 and 12, it talks about that we're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And the word of our testimony, is that, that word, word, is logos. It means a living word. It's always changing, always going on. And I said this on the way here this morning, you know, I was kind of nervous. I haven't done this in a, a very much in the last four or five years. And my son was sitting over there, and he told me, he said, what do you got to be nervous about today? What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> and then that little girl got up here and sang... And if that little girl can get up here, then I can talk for 10 or 15 minutes to y'all. So, so it's uh, what I really wanted to say before I got started was God has a call on everybody's life in here. Whether it's at your job, whether it's here at this church, whether it's in ministry, teaching, Sunday school, whatever it is, God has a call for y'all's life. We are, are the ones that can stop that call in our life. By things in our life we let overcome us or things that we decide to do that we know we shouldn't do. And so, sorry, my dad um, got saved in this church in 1982. And he died in 1985, about three months before I graduated high school. And... I remember sitting one day out on the, on the swing of my house and telling my mom, I was a Christian, we all went to church, and I remember telling my mother that this life is too hard. Living for God was just too hard. It costs too much. And my dad died. When he died, I blamed myself like I did something by stop following God or, or saying that the, the walking with God costs too much that maybe it was something I did, that the reason that he died of cancer, which is not true. But as a teenager, I thought, you know, we have to work our way into salvation. It's how good you are, how well you do it. That's how God sees you. If you perform well enough, then you get to be, you know, like people that's got most everything. And it took me a lot of years to get over that. To find out that God isn't that way. It's not matters how good you are or how well you do it, how well you don't do it. It's only about how much He loves you and how much Christ gave for you. And after about 12 years, I, I met a man in Georgia. His name was Rocky Abernathy. This was not what I was going to talk about, but. And he showed me that God's grace and mercy is new every morning. And that I can get up each day and know that I can 
walk through that day and not have to perform. I didn't have to perform for my earthly father, but I thought I did for my heavenly father. I was my dad's favorite out of there's four of us brothers, and it wasn't really anything that I did. I just honored him in everything that he did. He was my hero. I remember laying it, it, during the day, and he worked midnights at the Mead swing shift, and he'd lay there, and I'd rub his back because his back hurt all the time. And I thought that was such an honor to be able to help him feel better, you know, if he was hurting. And when I read this scripture in Revelations about being an overcomer and that, you know, our life, how do we help other people get through things is by us going through them and being able to tell them it's okay. It may hurt for a while. It may be rough, but you'll get through it. And so I started thinking about what person in the Bible, you know, kind of did that. And my wife tells me all the time, my life is kind of like Joseph's life. My family doesn't care that much. From They love me, but I've always been outside. My brothers, my mother, I, and it, it's nothing really I've ever did. It's just it's always been there. And, and it aggravated him when my dad would take up for me and go to my football games, you know, and this and that. And, and even to today, it's the same. And I never could figure out why. My wife told me one time, she said, it's not anything that you've done. It's just the call that's on your life. You're different than they are. And so I got to thinking about, if you read in Joseph's life, he was his dad's favorite. He made a coat for him. That ticked his brothers off even worse. And there's three things that tried to overset Joseph's life. The first one was his family. His brothers hated him. They tried to kill him. And they eventually throwed him in a ditch and sold him. Thank you, brother. Eventually killed him, throwed him in a ditch, and sold him. Everybody probably knows that story. All right. I, you know, and I can see my life being thrown in a ditch. The day my father died, I was in a deep, dark hole. And I couldn't get out. It didn't matter. I couldn't do drugs enough, drink enough, party enough to fill the hole. And I couldn't go to God because you have to perform for God. I believed in God. I loved God. But you have to perform to make him happy so your dad doesn't die. And I, you know, Joseph was in a deep hole. He ends up getting sold. But he was blessed, right? He, he, when he gets sold, he ends up being in the, the Pharaoh's house. His Pharaoh gives him everything to run. The second thing that can beset you in, the, in your walk and in your life is worldly life. A woman tried to seduce him, right? Tried to seduce him, and his answer was, your husband... Gives me, he doesn't even think about what I do here. He doesn't question anything I do. So Joseph's answer was not only to honor God, but also to honor the man of the house. I remember in my life, 
when I met my wife, God gave me that same thing. She gave me uh, love that I didn't know. The only love that I knew that way was with my dad. And so she honored me the way Joseph's, Joseph honored the man of the house. She taught me how to trust again. She taught me how to love again. She taught me how to believe again that there's more in life than just you live. You get some stuff. Some people get more than others. Some people don't. And you die. And hopefully you don't go to hell and burn for eternity because you didn't perform enough. God, this isn't what I read myself about. Anyway. The third thing that happened, you know, finally, let me find what the third thing was. See, I had all kind of good notes and everything. You know, my, you're supposed to, when I, I'm a graduate, or almost a graduate from Circleville Bible College or Ohio Christian University. And my last teacher is sitting right there. <laughs> she was my first teacher, Michelle, and she's my last teacher. And so it's been a blessing, been frustrating, four years. But so they teach you to, you know, to have a three-point sermon, you know, and keep it flowing and all that, and I've already blew that, so. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to say the same thing over so they can leave with just one thing. You like the movie City Slickers, what's the one thing? And it's different for everybody. And so mine was, are you an overcomer or are you being overcome? So anyway... The lust of the world tried to beset him, the second thing. The third thing was the, the baker and the, uh, the cupbearer, right? So God kind of showed me that them were, believe it or not, other Christians. They can be mean and hateful. And trying to help, they can kind of mess you up. When my dad died, we left from Columbus, and time it was raining and storming. By the way, today is my dad's birthday. I'm, I was born on March 2nd. He was born on March 16th. He would have been 77 today. So God has brought me full circle. This is where I was in 1980, standing in that building over there instead of here. And we come back from Columbus, and it was storming that day. He died May 3rd, 5th. And a person came to the house and said, well, your dad died because of his lack of faith. We believed that, you know, he was healed and everything. So that just showed me more that it is how good you do. You do A, B, and C, and then God does D and F. You hear it on TV all the time. You send me money, God will bless you. If you're, if you're in a rough spot and your electric's getting turned off, it's because you screwed up, sinned, or messed up. You had a family member die in a car crash. It's because you didn't perform good enough for God. 
That's where this world is today. Everybody's questioning why, why. If God's so loving, how can kids starve to death? How do people get sick and die? And it's not God. He just always gets the blame for it. So for me, it was a question always of performing. And this part here, the last part with the baker, they didn't remember him. They promised they would. He performed for them and told them the answer to the dream. They went out, told the Pharaoh what the answer was and what happened. They forgot him. They didn't remember him no more. And so for me, it would be the same thing. My wife and I moved to Georgia. All I wanted to do is get out of the state of Ohio in 1988, 87, 88. I had an uncle that lived in Georgia, Cartersville. It's right below Chattanooga. He built log homes. We were sitting one night, 12, 1 o'clock, and I told her we're leaving. I said, well, let's just go down there. So we started driving, ended up down there the next day. I asked my uncle if I could come down and go to work. He said yes. So we moved back up here. She quit her job. We packed up what little bit we had and was back down there the next weekend. 14, 12 years later, two babies, three babies. Um, and systematically I can look back on my life and see where God put one person in my life after another just to show me that he loves me my wife got pregnant with our first son and two weeks before her, her due date she went into labor and we lost our son there again, I didn't perform good enough. God took my son, but he didn't. His name was Daniel. But the man that was cutting my hair, his name was Rocky Abernathy. Come to find out, he was a Pentecostal pastor of a charismatic church. And I, I'd always go get my hair cut there because he did a good job. But I was there an hour, hour and a half. And it would start long. And time I left, it would be about this short. <laughs> and he'd always tell me, love never fails. Before I would leave, Todd, love never fails. We had a friend of ours. His name was, uh, oh, I can't remember his name now. Anyway, he kept inviting me to come to a little small Baptist church in Cartersville, Jason Malkey. He kept inviting me to come. You know, just leave the box, bro. <laughs> I'm not a crier, by the way. Nope. Anyway, he kept inviting me to come to church. I figured I'd go just to get him off my back. And I was hauling gasoline for Texaco. Which, that's driving around with a bomb on your back all day. So, I'd work all weekend, and then on Friday, I'd stay drunk from Friday afternoon till Sunday. And then get up. I wouldn't drink during the week because I was afraid I'd get killed in the truck because I was hungover and I'd go to hell. <laughs> that's what you think about, right? And God systematically started convicting me so bad 
I'd wake up having dreams. One night, me and my little brother were out at Atomic Speedway, and I got so drunk and drove him back. I should have killed both of us. I went all back roads from Atomic Speedway. I, I lived on Trigo Creek Road out in Massaville. And I took all back roads, and I tried to straighten out every curve there. And I kept having this nightmare about me killing him on the way home. So I called him and apologized, asked him to forgive me. You know, just things that you, God would bring to my life, things that I had done and what it was, God was preparing me for the rest of my life. And so I was, we were making decent money. We didn't have a car. We, we would take a cab on a Friday do the laundry, do walk down to the grocery store, buy little things that we wanted, then bring the cab back with all of our stuff. My wife and I did it. Everybody said we wouldn't. Everybody told her that I would leave her. But, goodness, sorry. Anyway, so we were doing pretty good. I was making decent money driving. I enjoyed my job. I really didn't have to answer anybody. You get in your truck and fill it up and go drop it here and there. About 10 hours a day making decent money. And I was up on top of it one day loading it. And it was raining and I slipped and fell. And landed backward on the rack like this. And bent my back backward. Broke my back and herniated disc and ended up not being able to work. Always at the edge of greatness, but never getting there. When I was in high school, I played football, had colleges wanted me to play football, and I broke my leg in three places below the knee, turned it around backward. The fifth game of my junior year, there goes college. They never called me again. I had a job at the Mead. My uncle was personnel over personnel. My dad worked at the Mead. My brother worked at the Mead. 85 when I graduated, had a huge layoff. Can't hire anybody. There again at the edge of greatness, but never getting there. You could, my dad worked there, took care of my, my family. My mother, she stayed home with us. That's what I could do. But right at the edge of it, it always gets pulled away because I didn't perform good enough. So here I am in Georgia again. Um, we're finally on our feet, taking care of my family. And I get hurt and I can't work. So for the next four and a half years, I was on my back. Not doing anything. And so Jason kept asking me to come to church, and uh, I wasn't in the door three feet, and God hammered me. I told Pat Patrick the other day that I remember sitting in a bar one night, my uncle's bar, Colonial Bar, for any of you that probably remembered it, down on Main Street. And I remember sitting there. Pity party, thinking, 
And to this day, I know Christ walked behind me, put his arms around me and said, I'm not leaving. This wasn't supposed to be like this, I don't guess. Anyway, so here I am in Georgia. I come home and I tell my wife. She was raised a good Catholic girl, so she didn't really, you know. And she had her own issues in her life, you know. She was abused and things, so she said she remembers crying out to God when she was little, but she still had to walk through it. She still had to do it. So was it performing for God to save her again? The way I dealt with everything is, is that if I can get my hands on it, I can fix it. If someone was mean to another person, I just beat their eyes out to make sure they didn't be mean to somebody again. Or if they were mean or cross to me or my wife or one of my family members, I just beat their eyes out. And then when I seen them again, I'd do it again just to make sure they didn't forget about it. So now here I am, a ball bag standing here. I'm not the man that I used to be because God saved me. The little Baptist church was a great little church, but it was still performance-based. You had to repent every day you left the church. You feel I felt worse when I left than I did when I got there. And I would tell my wife, there's got to be more. It's the same thing I had when I was, you know, young. There's got to be more <clears throat> to a God that can make all of this. It can't be just the rules and not wanting to burn for eternity. And so when I met Rocky, uh, we lost the baby, and he came to our home, him and his wife, Mary, and just loved us. They had lost a child. That's how we become overcomers. That's how we tell other people and help other people in the body of Christ is, I lost a child, and if you lose one, I can help you walk through it because God helped me walk through it. I had my power shut off. I can help you do it because I lived through it. My wife and I walked this and that to do things. If I can do it, God can help you do it. And so they come to our house and they helped us. <laughs> he kept inviting me to come to church and I'm like, oh Lord, here we go again. I walked in this little church called Praise and Restoration. Good name, isn't it? Restoration. <laughs> and this lady, her name was Brenda Ball. Her birthday's the exact same as mine, March 2nd. But this woman is a freak for Jesus. I walk in the back door, and she's running around the church screaming. I mean, and it's packed. Worship's going on. They got flags going. And I'm like, my Lord, I have just walked into a mess here. <laughs> but our pastor, Rocky, 
it didn't matter if there was one person in that building or 500 people. When you left, he loved you the same. He would preach just as hard to one person as he did 500. And my wife and I lived at their house pretty much for three or four years. And uh, they had three kids, two boys and a, and a little girl. And we didn't have babies at the time, so I ended up being the youth pastor after four or five years. Ended up being with their sons or helping them raise them, be with them. His name was Joshua and Matthew. And systematically, God stripped away and showed me that God's grace and mercy is new every day. And there's some days I need more than others, that's for sure. And so, we, after years of being down there, this last section here about people in the body of Christ, they can hurt you just as bad as the people out in the world. And sometimes it's not intentional. Sometimes it is. But it doesn't need to. It's not about performing. It's not about being how good you can be. God loves you when you're your worst and your best. Christ died for you for every sin you'll ever make from today forward. And it doesn't matter how well you, are, how well you do it. If I could share one thing with you that would be it it's not how good you do it it's just being faithful to know that everything hinges on him I was always the type of person if I could get my hands on it I could fix it right well God finally gave me the my wife helped me heal me God helped heal me but my children finished it. They taught me how, how to have unconditional love because they loved their daddy that way. And I loved them that way. God gave me a little girl. Our first child after Daniel was a little girl. Her name's Ashley. She's in college now and me and her were like, you know, this when she was little. If I did something, she was right beside me. And she loved her daddy. And she helped me heal me the rest of the way. This is better than the last time I preached. I almost passed out. <laughs> I got invited to, I had an interview with the Methodist Church. They want me to be a pastor for the Methodist Church. And they sent me to a little church out in uh, Londonderry. <laughs> and I was so jacked up, I guess. My sugar crashed and 
almost passed out. I mean, like 15 minutes into my service. You know, I think my wife's talking to me, and she's looking at me like, what the heck's wrong with you? You know, and I'm hearing her talk, and, you know, everybody's doing all kind of weird crap, and I'm like, man, this isn't right. Something's wrong here. So it got wrapped up real quick, you know. But anyway, so I guess if I was going to do anything, balling's better than passing out, I reckon. <laughs> so I had this all figured out. I was going to come up here, and Pastor Aaron last week, the second service, cracked a joke about people that like winter. You know, that he's a summer person. People that like winter, you know, and snow, you know, God never intended snow. You know, there wasn't no snow in the garden, right? So I had it all figured out. How many times, I'm a winter guy. I love winter. That's my favorite time of year. <clears throat> and my question would be this. If you look out a window on a nice 90-degree day heat, look out that window and walk outside, you're not like, wow, what a day. But you walk and look out a window on the first snow of the year, it's breathtaking, to me anyway. You see nothing but white, the purity of God, and that's what it reminds me. When God says he makes us white as snow. And you know, the only time that heat's mentioned in the Bible. (laughs) (coughs) So, I guess I'd rather spend eternity in a cool, snowy place than a hot one, okay? Perfect life after life would be a Colorado mountain somewhere on the side of it with snow on this side and, you know, a deer on that side. <laughs> By the way, on the way out here this morning, I seen a deer and an eagle. My first live eagle I've ever seen. and It was in a field eating something. And the deer was watching the eagle. That's how I found seeing the eagle. So... I guess in closing, I want you. Uh, if there's one thing you remember other than this dude standing up here bawling for, I don't know how long I've been standing here, that we're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And if my testimony can help one person get through the day when your power gets shut off or your car blows up or a child dies, or your father or your mother dies, or your wife or your husband dies. The God that I serve will help walk you through it and will give you hope in your life. And so if we could stand, we'll close in prayer.